and I want to share a passage of Scripture. But first, our first-time visitor today, is he still awake? Is he still asleep? Hold, hold him up and bring him, and we're going to let you show him off. And Faith, let's show Riker off, too. Come on, you guys follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. Come on. Come on, get these beautiful baby boys. Aren't they... Aren't they good looking? We are going to dedicate them at the appropriate time. But if you'll point your hands this way, we're going to take authority over sinuses, allergies, any physical challenges, healthy. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've blessed us with two men child. And we honor them. We ask that you would build a hedge of protection about them that early they would learn about the things of God and early they would commit their life to you, that you build a hedge that any generational or demonic curse that's on these families, we bind that curse and we release that curse by the blood of Jesus. These are two women that love you. They, they love your son and we love them. Protect them in Jesus' name. Provide financially every single thing they need. Amen. 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 Thank you for your support of these beautiful uh, boys. Connie. Redmond is not here today, but Connie was so uh, kind to provide a, a car seat for an infant, a car seat for a toddler, and a cool pin, I guess they call it, a crackle pin, went just like a little four-wall. When you get tired of your kid, you stick them in there and throw a banana and uh, leave them alone. If you uh, have your, your Bible with you this morning, uh, my message this morning, I promise you, is brief because Pastor Rhonda cooked all night. And I know what's waiting for me at home, and it's that eager anticipation that uh, I await whenever she cooks. It's better than Outback, and it's better than Cracker Barrel, and it's real close to Taco Bell. How'd I do? Did I, did I do good? The thought, the thought or the theme today, the area that I would like to go in is the area of you have more going on for you than you realize. You have more going on for you than you realize. And I want to illustrate this morning by this beautiful calla lily. This is probably my, one of my favorite, probably the top three, orchid, rose, and calla lily. Calla lily is right there close. Such a, such a beautiful flower and such a beautiful color. And uh, there are several different colors of calla lilies, but this just happens to be my favorite. And uh, how ironic that in the Word of God, so many times Jesus talked about seed. He talked about plants. He talked about fruit. He talked about harvest. And if you'll if examine this container this morning, you will find everything about the Christian life, the Christian walk, the Christian destiny is, is, is tabled right here in this moment to my right. First of all, I want to bring attention to the container this is not an ugly container. It's not a real beautiful container, but it's a pretty nice container. And this container represents you. It represents your container that God has given, that God has given you and that one day will be uh, regenerated in heaven, brand new container. Maybe it won't it'll look a little, maybe it'll be brass, maybe it'll be gold, maybe it'll silver, but you are the container. And the contents of this container is good old basic dirt. Probably some kind of, uh, uh, got some, probably some styrofoam in it to help it breathe a little better. But the dirt represents, I believe, the place where you plant your seed. I believe it represents your house, your covering, your destiny, your future. 
Obviously, you cannot see them from here, but there are bulbs that were planted by faith, believing that they would grow, and they have grown into five beautiful calla lilies. And I believe that obviously the bulb represents the seed. God has given every one of you some seed. It might be spiritual seed. It might be emotional seed. It might be financial seed. It might be the ability to pray, the ability to praise, the ability to worship. But God has given you stuff that you can plant. And, of course, the beautiful uh, the, the, the lily has the covering, which, again, represents the church. The fruit is what you contribute to the things of God. Richard, if you'll come and, and or Angel, if, Richard, either one, move this, because I cannot see this section over here. And I am especially excited about this section over here, because in this section, I have one of my spiritual sons who actually really did listen and really did follow his pastor's counsel they were in Detroit, Michigan, staying clean, knew that he could not stay here and be clean, and he moved to Michigan. How many years, Elio? 15 years, clean 15 years. Is that not a great? Everybody wave at Elio. Elio and his friend Candy and Elmer, we're so glad. That's not Elmer Fudd, that's Elmer Peanut. And Elmer, we're so glad you're here this morning. And Candy, we're so glad that you came. And Elio, this, this message this morning is, is for you, I really believe that as we look at this plant, we can see what God has done in Elio's life. Genesis 28 is an interesting story, and I'll be very brief in setting this story up. But Genesis 28 talks about a promise. As you know, Abraham, 90 years of age, without child, uh, God spoke to him and said he would bless his seed as far as the sands of the sea, the stars of the sky, most of you know that Abraham only had one son. His name was Isaac, and uh, Isaac married, and, uh, Isaac, and Isaac's wife got pregnant with twins. And while these twins were in her womb, there was an uh, agitation, irritation, a frustration. And so uh, Rebe- Rebecca goes to God and says, what's going, Rebecca or, help me, Pastor Rhonda. Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca goes to God and says, What's going on? Am I, am I sick? Am I not going to carry these babies? Am I going to lose these babies? And when she went to God, God told her that there were two nations in her womb, and they were wrestling one another, and they would wrestle one another until the end of time. And certainly there is a generation called Israel, and then there is a generation called the Middle East that is against Israel, tries to stop everything that Israel does. And from those two sons, we find those two lineages. Matter of fact, when Rebekah got ready to give birth, the hand of one of the children was on the ankle of the other. Watch this, trying to pull that baby back into the womb to receive the firstborn birthright. And we've talked about birthrights, and you know that the firstborn got a double birthright because not only did he take care of his family, but he was responsible for mom. In that generation, the men died before the women. Obviously, they were in areas of war, areas of, of struggle, and they just aged quicker and died, died sooner. And so it was the responsibility of the eldest son to take care of mom. And so it was important to get the first son birthright. That was important in the kingdom of God. And so we see that when this, when this baby was born, actually Esau was born first, then Jacob came. You know the story, they really didn't get along. Esau was a hunter, he was a woodsman, he was very crafty, he was very good at what he did. Jacob was a mama's boy. He stayed at home, loved mom, loved to cook, loved to do, do the things around the house. And uh, then there was some contention between Jacob 
and Esau because apparently mom favored Jacob over Esau. And I don't know if you've ever seen that scenario. In, in my home, there were two of us. My parents treated us exactly the same, loved us the same. If mom gave me $11, she gave Jimmy $11. And that's just the way that we grew up. And I watched my brother raise his, his uh, daughters, three girls, and I had two girls. And I raised them the same. I don't love either one any more than the other. When I bless one, I try to bless the other, try to keep it so, so that they will know that I love them both equally. But mom... Ha- mom was favorite to Jacob, and that created contention with Esau. And you know the story. Mom and Jacob deceived the dad and tried to convince the dad that Jacob was the oldest by putting the skins on his arm. And uh, 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 Isaac really wasn't all that full because he said, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And, man, there's a sermon right there. You feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And so... Jacob gets the firstborn blessing, and uh, Esau's mad and, and makes a vow that when his dad dies, he will kill his brother. And that brings us to our story in Genesis 28th chapter. Isaac did not like the availability of a granddaughter or a, a, a daughter-in-law in the land, so he told both sons, please don't marry a woman in this era. Go to where your uncle's at and marry one of the Israeli, the generational women, go and find a bride. Esau, knowing that his dad did not want him to marry a local bride, he immediately married a local bride, a wife, of a daughter of Ishmael, one of the, one of the descendants of Ishmael. And you know the story of, of uh, Jacob, I'm sorry, you know the story of Ishmael and Isaac, that there was contention there, and there's still contention today between Ishmael and Isaac. And, the, and, the, and so the, the, the battle lines were drawn. I, Esau, just rebellious, married a local girl. But Jacob obeyed his dad, packed up some stuff, and went on a journey, which brings us to Genesis 28. And I believe I brought you all the way to the story of verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and west unto Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place, Look at somebody and say, a certain place. I believe that place is still there today, and I'll explain in just a few minutes why. And he, ter- he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. Shows you how much of a mama's boy he was. You usually don't take rocks and make them a pillow, but he did. So how silly was that? Anyway, he's laying on these rocks, and he went to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou hast liest. In thee I will give it to you and thy seed. The same promise that God made to Abraham the same promise that God made to Isaac, the same promise God also makes to Jacob and says, I'm going to let you have your birth. And it goes on to say, as east to the west, north and south, as many as the sands of the sea, I'm going to bless your lineage and I'm going to bless your descendants. The point that I want to make right here is that Jacob wanders upon a place in the desert and there he finds a ladder. And there when he sees the ladder, there is actually... Led Zeppelin had some of it correct. He sees a stairway leading into heaven. 
I do. I believe that there is a fourth dimensional port somewhere in Israel that there is an entrance to heaven. I believe that God still stands at the top of that entrance, and I believe that ladder is used to bring things from heaven to earth, angels, and not just angels, but I believe I will prove to you in just a few minutes that in Hebrews 11, the, the warriors that went on to be with God, I believe that there are times when they will visit this earth with certain assignments. How cool is that? I know there are those that feel sometimes when their loved ones go on to be with the Lord, sometimes they feel like their loved one is there in the room with them. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? You really, it was just a, you, you, you didn't see a ghost. I'm not, I'm not talking about weird things. But I'm talking about you were overwhelmed by a certain personality that had been in your life that had gone on to heaven. I have visited with people that have smelled their mother's perfume. I've been with people that heard an audible voice. And as we look a little further in the Bible, we will find there are times Saul actually asked Samuel to come back and Samuel was there. And they're just different, they're just different stories in the Bible that prove this. And the point that I want to make to you today, that there is divine assistance that God gives you to carry out your destiny and to carry out the promises that he has for you. We failed to mention the water, which represents the word. We failed to mention the sun, which agitates the, the, the bulb that causes the, bird to coha- the, the bulb to cohabitate with the dirt for the bulb to burst forth to produce a flower. Those two things would not happen if there was not the water of the word and there was not the divine presence of God in your life, that sun shining light into your dirt causing your stuff to grow. Does that help anybody at all today? Could we like go home right now and say, hey, man, we've been in the presence of God. We've learned the truth and we will go home. Anybody? You'd like to go home now? Everybody ready to go home? Linda said, this is a trick question. I'm not sure if you want me to lift my hand or not. I want you to, I want you to know this morning that the Bible says in John, and guys, do you have some of that stuff ready for me? In John 16 and 35, 16 and 30, eight, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The word declares that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know that there is a battle. We know there is a struggle. This is my personal opinion. I believe when you and I are visiting, or if I could just paint a picture right now, if you could open those fourth dimensional eyes that will open from time to time and you could see into the battlefield that God is, is already won, has already defeated at Calvary, there is a battle of demonic entities, whether they are generational curses, whether they're familiar spirits, whether they're just spirits of bondage, drugs, alcohol, gambling, whatever whatever those things are, if you could open your eye, you would see that all of those entities, without exception, cannot penetrate the barrier that God has built over this congregation because there is a wall of angels and they are armed to the teeth and they rest not, but they continually protect and provide provision for the people of God. Does that excite anybody in this building? I was speaking with Richard this week about our conversation. When two, two gather in his name, the Bible says, there he is in the midst of them. So where God is, the enemy is not. Let me say it again. Where God is, the enemy is not. I can go to Pastor Todd and say, Pastor Todd, I want you to pray about something. I'm really struggling with sugar right now every night at 1030. I've got to eat a nutty butter bar or a cookie or a chocolate something. And I'm telling on myself, 
and I asked Pastor Todd to share to, to share in prayer and pray. Hopefully he'll pray, not too hard, but he'll pray, and I'll get a little better. But let me tell you what, the demonic entity cannot have privy to that conversation. The enemy does not know that I'm casting, the Bible says, cast your care on him, confess your faults one to another. And as we're doing that, the enemy cannot hear that. But if you recklessly begin to unload on someone that you know that's in the world, that's not walking where God wants them to walk and doing what God wants them to do, it opens a window. And I know there are people that have shared with other people, said, man, I'm, I'm really struggling right now with cigarettes. I mean, I really feel like it's God. I'm just, I'm just really, really upset. I'm really battling with it. And they said that to an unbeliever. And you know what will happen? The enemy hears that conversation, and you will get free cigarettes in the mail. I'm serious. He'll bring that spirit of addiction. Every, everything falls under that, whether it's caffeine, whether it's nicotine, whether it's drugs, alcohol, anything of that nature, those are all under one demonic coverage of bondage. And what the enemy will do when he hears what you're struggling with because you've shared it with an unbeliever, now it opens a door for him to come in and try to hurt, try to confuse, try to, try to tempt is the word I'm looking for, and try to deceive. Does anybody get a witness what I'm talking about right now? There's only three things the enemy can do in your life. He can tempt you. He can accuse you, and he can deceive you. Every single day without exception, most of us are tempted to do something. With me, it's road rage. I cannot believe how many idiots would pull right out in front of me, especially when I have two things, a cup of coffee and the right-of-way. Maria, I cannot tell you, and I, <laughs> I really, I mean, I, I really have to pray about it. And then, and then I find myself pulling out in front of somebody and say, well, I sowed that so I get to reap that. Can anybody justify their bad drive with the fact that there's other bad drivers out there? So, so the, enemy can, the enemy can tempt you. Then the enemy can try to accuse you and say, you're not good enough. You don't pray enough. You're not holy enough. You don't give enough. You don't, and that accusation, and you know what? The Bible says there's no temptation taken to man that God would not deliver them from it. Matter of fact, God promises, I will not put more on you than you can handle. And there are times in my life when I've asked, I remember one particular time I was in Savannah. I wanted to preach this church for years. The door opened. We had an incredible Sunday morning, Sunday night. Keith Dudley was with me. He was singing. Pastor Ron, I believe, was still with Courtney here in Cleveland. And we were having, it was a great church. It was a great meeting. Monday, I got sick as a, literally sick as a dog and could not go to the pulpit. Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and Keith filled the pulpit for me. I remember Wednesday night, uh, laying there in the motel room, I told Keith, I said, Keith, I feel like God has put more on me than I can handle. I am at my wit's end. And you know what? The, the, the Lord opened the door for me to go to City of Faith or Roberts Hospital, and there I had a team of doctors that actually cut me, opened up, looked around, didn't see anything, but they took my gallbladder because that's what cutters do. If they cut you, they're going to take something. I promise you, they're going to find something in there to remove. That's just the way they roll. And you know what? It wasn't until five years later that I got a divine touch from God, and God touched my body and strengthened my body. But five years earlier, Pastor Todd, I was saying, I can't take, I can't take this anymore. I'm, I'm at my wit's end. 
God knows where your wit's end is, and there's a lot more to you than you realize, and you can endure, endure a lot more than you think you can endure. So when temptation comes, when accusation comes, know that God's presence is near. I told you, when you get a nudge from God and then you get a nudge by the enemy, that just confirms a nudge by God. Either I told the church a couple of weeks ago, sometimes I would just soon get the attack of the enemy because it lets me know immediately the enemy is attacking me in this area, but God said he would bless me in this area, so the enemy must be terrified of what God's going to do in my life, so he's trying to distract me, and I go back to the first promise that says, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Aren't you glad that you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and he's with us even until the end of the world. What a, what a powerful truth. The one attack of the enemy is very subtle. The third attack, it is the most dangerous, it is the most powerful, and it is the most lethal. And that is the spirit of deception. Every day when my feet hit the floor, I know that today the enemy is going to try to tip me somewhere, Elmer. In my life, somewhere there's going to be a temptation. I know that when I hit, my feet hit the floor, I go anywhere. The spirit of accusation, the, 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 the destroyer of the brethren is going to try to go to God and make accusations against me, which are all under the blood. But rarely do I get out of bed and say, you know what? Today, the enemy is going to try to deceive me. It's not something we plan. It's not something we look for. It's not something we really pray enough about. But we pray the, the, the Lord's Prayer that, that daily God provides and protects. That should be covering temptation, accusation, and deception. There is a war. There is a war going on. And the word says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So no matter what the enemy brings against you, God's authority and God's power is stronger, more powerful, and we need to become, we, we need to become very dependent and very reliant upon that particular authority and that particular power. I told you I was going to share something with you that was a revelation to me. Let me, let me blow through some of these notes. Uh, in Matthew 16, 15 through 19, there's a conversation. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? They give their answer. Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son, a living God. And the Lord tells Peter, God has revealed this to you. I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means little stone. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. But then he makes the statement, behold, and I told you, anytime you find the word behold, that's a revelation in the Bible. Behold, I give unto you the keys, plural, to the kingdom. And then me, she promises two keys. I give you the key to bind, and I give you the key to loose. What does that mean? It means that prayer is the ability to bind the enemy. Let me say it again. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. When you look at all the prayers, what's every desire? Ask, you might receive them. When you look at all the, the Lord's Prayer, all the prayers of the Bible, every time you pray the prayer of the Lord, you're binding the power of the enemy. And you can literally come against the, the spirit of sickness. You come against the spirit of depression the spirit of suicide, all the things the enemy would try to manifest against you, prayer binds the enemy. Say that with me. Prayer binds the enemy. And that's your number one. That's your most important key because prayer is what puts Jesus in your heart. 
Prayer is what puts the Holy Spirit in your life, and prayer is what puts God in authority. So the, the prayer is the most important key. Then it says, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The power to loose, say this with me, the power to loose is the prophetic praise. Say it again. The power to loose is the prophetic praise. So how do I loose things in earth, and how do I loose things in heaven I loose the power of God. I loose the healing power of Jesus. I loose the divine protection of the Holy Spirit through the power of prophetic praise. What is prophetic praise? Prophetic praise is this. Wendy's praying. Lord, I thank you for keeping your hand upon Peyton. I thank you that, you that her life was not taken, that she is still healthy. And, Father, I prophetically declare over her that she will be completely healed, completely restored, her face would heal, and she would be okay in Jesus' name. That's prophetic praise. You can say, Lord, I thank you for my son that I raised him up in the way that he should go. He's wandered off the path. But, Father, right now, prophetically, I see him at my church. I see him in the front. I see his hands lifting in praise. I see him worshiping you. And prophetically, I see him coming home. Am I talking to anybody in the building today? Whether it's a son, whether it's a daughter, whether it's a job, whether it's a every area of your life, you can prophetically, you get a negative report, you can prophetically begin to praise God for good things. Girls, you need to prophetically begin to praise God for your companion that he's going to bring into your life. You don't have to go to a bar to find him. You don't have to go to a rock concert. Billy Nelson, Willie Nelson doesn't know where he is, but if God knows where you're at, Hello, if God knows where you're at and God knows where he or she's at, then God can make the divine connection. And you don't believe me? Ask Todd and Missy and several others, but Todd and Missy can tell you that God sovereignly knew where they were, found them, and connected them. And that's what God does, and that's the prophetic praise. Now, I don't know that Pastor Todd prayed prophetic, prophetically. And said, Lord, I want you to give me a woman that roars. I want you to give me a woman that's independent. I want to give you a woman at Proverbs 31. I'm assuming you did. And, and Missy, I don't know what kind of man you prophesied, but you pretty much got what you prophesied. So that's, that's the old cliche. You pretty much get what you asked for. How faithful and how good is God? Said, well, I hate men. I never want to be married again. That'll pass. Hello. That'll pass. God did not create you to be alone. He created you to have a companion that he's creating just for you. Do you feel like the Pastor Rhonda was the divine connection? Absolutely. Would, would God have honored something else? Yes, but it wouldn't have been as great. Why, why, why accept good when you can get great? Why accept good when you can get better? Hello, why not wait for the Lord? I mean, I've told so many people in my life, why don't you just one year, and you know what, mentally I just, I just thought of those two or three and, and they're still as confused today as they were years ago. Why don't you just give God one year of your life? Why don't you just not date for one year? There was a precious, precious um, family in our life. They were under our covering. There were some real bad things happened. Uh, the wife rightly had grounds for divorce, and they talked with us about divorce, and we shared with them what the Word of God said and what the Word of God outlined, and, and there were grounds for divorce. And uh, they asked, she asked if we would honor her. And I said, I would, but I want you to make a commitment to me. I want you to commit from the date of your divorce, you do not date for one year. You do not date for one year. And uh, she committed to that. And in that year, God opened the door for her to go sing at one of the uh, largest ministries in the world. And while she was there singing for that ministry, a door opened. 
for her to go to work for Mike Murdoch, which is an incredible teacher, uh, pastor, man of God, and attending that church and serving Dr. Mike Murdoch. God brought a guy into her life, and he's a good guy. He rides a Harley. I like him. He's, he is like Tanner. He always has, has a hat on. Good-looking guy. But I believe this is what I believe. You know, when, when we're on the rebound, we don't want to be alone. But when you say, I'm not alone, I've got God in my life for the next year, there's no telling what God can do when you make that promise and that provision. He could give you better instead of good. He could give you greater instead of good. What would you rather have, good or great? Anybody? I feel like, I feel like Donald Trump all of a sudden. Do you want good or you with him, <laughs> without him? Um, let me, let me, I've got six minutes to conclude. I can do this. Um, go to Romans 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you not received the spirit of abundance again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I, I don't want to go to that verse. I want to go to verse 26. Verse 26. Okay. Likewise, or this is what we were just talking about, likewise, the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit, number three in the Godhead, say that, number three in the Godhead, helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for the Spirit itself making intercession for us. The correct correct translation of that in the Greek is the Spirit himself. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a person. For the Spirit himself making intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The satanic church has their own language. Most of it is backmasking. That's the way they communicate in Satanism. That's a copycat that is taken straight from the Word of God where in earth... There's, a, there's an earthly language we talk to God in heaven. There's a spiritual language that we talk to God. That's the purpose of being filled with the Spirit, praying in tongues as the Spirit leads. But there are times when we don't know what to pray in English. So the Holy Spirit takes our container and begins to make groanings in the Spirit that only God can identify and only God can relate to. Is that exciting? That you've got the Holy Ghost right now examining you knowing what you have need of, and bringing your petition to God. Petitions you may not even realize that you've brought to God. And watch this. With groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, everybody say Christ, Jesus, number two in the Godhead, and he that searcheth the hearts of the Father, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession to the saints, for the saints, according to the will of who? Notice who you have in this passage. You have the Spirit, you have Jesus, and you have God. Now, let me completely blow your mind. For years and years and years, and I, I've taught it, I believe it, I practice it, but there's another level here to this scripture when it says, when two or three gather in my name, there will I be in the midst of them where two or three gather and begin to agree, whatsoever they bind on earth is bound in heaven, what they loose on earth is loose in heaven. Now, I could tell you that that two or three could be Pastor Todd and Chris and myself gathering in in two or three, knowing the Lord's going to be there and knowing that that God's going to hear our petitions because of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. 
when you begin to live your life and you begin to declare the word of God, immediately the Holy Spirit shows up. Immediately the Holy Spirit brings the Son and immediately the Holy Spirit brings the Father. So you don't just have the Spirit working for you, but you got the Son working for you. you got the God working for you. If two or three, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit, gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It's not people, it's spiritual deities that are walking with you, working with you, making sure that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are called according to his purpose. Do I have an amen in the house today? I'll take 30 seconds here. I do not see in my life, Wendy's life, I do not see everything happening in my life being good. I mean, how do you explain a head-on collision? How do you explain a miscarriage? How do you explain a disease that's trying to eat on every... every how, how could God possibly get any good from that? Sometimes accidents will take place to bring our loved ones closer to the Lord. Sometimes we will lose things in life to become more dependent upon God. Sometimes when sicknesses ravish our body, we go to Jehovah Rophah, the Lord, our healer, and expect him to heal. So a lot of times bad things turn us towards the good things of God. But when you talk about a family that had a head-on collision and they were all killed, or you talk about having a party in your backyard and someone coming with a weapon and killing everybody at the party, I'm not God. But, Jerry, I don't see how that could possibly work for good. But if you'll stay on the path, if you'll stay on the trail, if you'll stay on watching God's provision and God, it turns out for good. And how in the world could Pastor John, being in prison for 14 years, how in the world could that possibly be good? I have a lifelong friend. I was with him 35 years ago. Great church. He gave me the liberty of the Lord one night on a Monday night, Chris. The church obviously could not contain what God was bringing them, multicultural. They had found a piece of land. They found some plans. They were toying with the idea of building. Well, never tell me things you're toying with because I just assume there's something I need to do about it. So Monday night I preached. It's Sunday morning, Sunday night. Monday night I preached on the eagle. The pastor got called out of a town for a, a surgery. So Monday night I preached on the eagle. And Monday night after I got done preaching, I took up a building fund offering. The offering was $150,000 on a Monday night. Patrick came back. He was completely blown away. They built the church. The church today runs and seats over 9,000. He has 3,000 Saturday night, Sunday morning, two services. The church is blowing out the door. But the pastor does not have his left leg. When he was in Vietnam, he was a mechanic. And Candy, he was working on a helicopter tire. And somehow the split rim exploded. And it cut his leg off. And I remember we went to the golf course. And many of you have heard this story, I'm sure. And we were playing golf. And I was beating him. And I felt real good about it. Till about the seventh tee, he went to drive the ball, and his leg fell off. Right on the, on, the, on the tee, he drives the ball, his leg falls off on the ground. So there's guys behind us waiting to drive, and I'm in the cart, 
And I'm thinking to myself, here I am taking advantage of this one-legged man. So when I got out of the cart, I limped all the way to the tee. I got my club, and I, I didn't really whack it that far. But when I get in and hit it, the guys in the golf, hey, good drive, good drive. And, and uh, I remember that. There are two or three funny stories there, him not having a leg. I just a weird feeling, walk in the living room, guys sitting there. He has no leg. I mean, hello, go there with me. But I asked him, Pastor Dwight Allen, Miramar Celebration Church of God, did you ever resent the fact that you lost your leg at an early age? He said, absolutely not. He said, I was a hellion. I was drinking. I was partying. There was no room for God in my life. I was headed to a devil's hell, and I was trying to get there in a shortcut. He said, but when I lost my leg, it turned me to God. It turned my heart to God, my life towards God. He said, I don't regret it. As a matter of fact, it's one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life, losing a leg. All things work together for good. God has not forgotten you. God has not bailed on you. God has not given up on you. God's not letting this person be blessed and you're not blessed. And that, that's not the way that God rolls. God honors and loves all of his children the same. And he will do what no other can do. And all we've got to do, ready, get the bulb in the dirt, get some water, get some sun, and expect it to grow. Expect there to be a breakthrough. Expect there to be a miracle. Expect there to be restoration. Expect there to be a healing. Expect there to be a divine appointment or divine connection because that's the way God rolls. Shall we pray? Thank you for this morning together. Thank you that we are here to worship, to praise Thank you that Tanner is home. Thank you for Elio and his friends being with us, our new babies. This has been a great morning. Yesterday was a great day in the community. The church came together, the sound, the the. the